Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just a Physician, the podcast where we explore mental health, vulnerability, and life journeys with some of your favorite content creators online. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Just a Physician YouTube channel and stream the episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today is the guest that has been talked about in more episodes than anyone else. <laughs> it's amazing how frequently you have come up on the podcast episodes, and I'm so excited to have you on, and I know anyone who's listening is so stoked. Everyone, please welcome Leah Yu, the founder of Crave Beauty. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much, Hiram, for having me. Um, My name is Leah Yu. I'm a skincare content creator who's on the same arena as Hiram and also a fellow skincare brand founder with a brand called Crave Beauty, which is all about slowing down the entire beauty industry that has become a lot like fast fashion, which is a topic that we're both very, very passionate about. So I feel like we have a lot of common grounds that just connected us very deeply and intimately. But thank you so much for all the shout outs and all the mentions (laughs) of my name throughout a lot of podcast episodes. I was listening to Nicole's, listening to Alicia's, and I'm like choking on my water, whatever you name drop me. So it's such an honor that you think so highly of me or I don't know, the the respect is very mutual. So thank you. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Honestly, it's such an honor to be able to have you on because like if you guys have been listening to the other episodes, I love to ask people like, what are the skincare products you love to use? Like, tell me about your routine. And the number one brand that comes up is Crave Beauty, which makes me so happy because everything with your brand and your philosophy is all about, like you said, slowing down, not just from like a consumerist standpoint, but also from a skin health, you know, a barrier health standpoint of just like taking it easy on your skin and focusing on just boosting the health. And that has impacted my viewpoints when it's come to skincare. Um, Your videos, you know, way back when I first started my channel, like made a big impact in that way. And Mm -hmm. so it's so cool to see Crave having this reach and this impact with people where when I see them coming on and talk about like the matcha hemp hydrating cleanser, a great barrier relief, I'm just like, yes. Oh my gosh. I love to see it. It's so cool. It's so unreal. And I know you're probably the biggest contributor to it, to making like the great bear relief to what it is right now. So thank you so much. Of course, I will admit I'm a little bit of a super fan when it comes to the great barrier relief, but just your line in general. And I think so much of like what fuels my respect for your skincare brand is your values, you know, your morals that you really just fully invest into it and your very apparent dedication to the brand. And I have like a bunch of like, deep questions that I want to jump into when it talks about, you know, like running the brand and your philosophy and, you know, all the sustainability, like so many different elements of it. But before we jump into that, I want to do some rapid fire Q and A's. Um, I'm sure everyone who's listening already knows who you are, but in case there is anyone out there, this is just a fun way of people just getting to know, you know, some little fun facts about you. So let's just jump into the rapid fire Q and A's. First, I want to know what's the first thing you do (laughs) when you wake up in the morning? Um, I make coffee. Yes. Yes. And meditate. Oh, you meditate. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is someone who has their shit together to meditate in the morning. No, no, no. That's opposite (laughs) from the truth. That's like only five minutes of the time in my day that I get to not think of anything. So so I think it's very needed. Oh yeah. I think with your life definitely needed. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. That's great. I love starting off the morning with coffee. Uh, 
goals, yes. Okay, so next question. What is your biggest fear? Oh. <laughs> I, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have fear. Do you? What is your biggest fear? I think it's like, there's like two different types of fears for me, like irrational fear or like, like serious, deep fear. I think irrational fear is probably, uh, probably sharks. They're such beautiful animals. But uh, if I can't even like, if I'm not, I can't walk into like non-crystal clear water. Like if the water is like murky at the beach or something like that, I will not be getting yeah. any deeper than like my ankles just because I'm like, I know there's a shark right by me and it's super irrational. As far as like, I guess more rational fear, I'd say like, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, getting to the end of my life and not, you know, um, oh. and not being, you know, proud of the person that I was and proud of the way that I treated other people which is like super deep and like very, you know, intense. <laughs> but I'd say that's like my rational fear. So you could go one of either ways, irrational or rational. Oh, um, I, I don't really have a lot of fears in life, but I feel like when it comes to irrational fears, whenever I cross a physical bridge, I do feel like the bridge is going to suddenly collapse. Really? And I'm going to die. Really? Yeah, so that's the only fear that I would have. That must be stressful in New York because I swear <laughs> I cross more bridges in New York than anywhere else. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. it. <laughs> okay, so I want to hear what's your newest hobby? Something you've like recently picked up that you've been loving. Oh my God, Hiram. Um, I'm trying to get into podcasting. So yes. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. I've been trying to journal out to write for my podcast episodes. So I think that's what brings me joy at the moment. Um, other than that, I've been picking up tennis. Oh, so okay. I've been doing tennis with my fiance from last year or two years ago. So mm -hmm. going to US Open next week <gasps> and the Whoa. week after. So I'm really stoked for that. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, I think doing some sort of physical activity does definitely bring me joy. Yeah, because now that I think of it, I've seen you post on your Instagram story about um, you playing tennis with Neil. Neil is her um, fiance, who I've been able to meet. Such an incredible guy. Um, yeah, just awesome, awesome guy. Uh, but yeah, I've seen you guys like post about like playing tennis together. Um, and I want to say like I don't know when your podcast is going to be officially out, but I know that the trailer is already out on Apple Music. So I will have it linked down below um, if you guys want to check it out. Um, what what is the? I'm sorry, I just listened to the trailer, but I don't remember the <laughs> official name of your podcast. What is is it? Slow down. It's it's called Press Reset Press with Leah. You yes, okay. Yes. Make sure you guys go follow and listen, and stay tuned for when you release your first episode because I'm super stoked to listen to it. Okay. Awesome. Okay, and then okay. next next rapid fire question. Um, because you already mentioned coffee, I want to know like what's your go to coffee order. Ooh, um, it's just espresso, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> I just like it straight and just very strong. I love it, honestly. With ice. Okay, with ice. So you like like the iced espresso. Do you like iced Americano type vibe? Yes, but less water. Okay, okay. So true iced espresso. I love that. I always yeah. religiously get iced Americano. I'm such like a, <laughs> I'm such like a milk and sugar hater where I'm just like, oh. I'm 
too purist for that. I need the true flavor tones <laughs> of coffee. I need like the full, you know, notes present. Of I, I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, true coffee fellow lover. I'd love to see. It. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Well, now that we're through the rapid fire questions, I want to jump into honestly, this is like my dream to be able to just like sit down with you for like 45 minutes and just ask you really intense questions <laughs> because <Intense>? um, okay, <laughs> not anything invasive, but more so just like really get deep because yeah. we've been able to be friends for a while. We've been able to have a bunch of conversations and also through your content, I think one thing that I absolutely love about your content is your willingness to just be completely mm. vulnerable about where you are in mm. life, what you're kind of experiencing, whether it be challenges mm. or positive things or life adjustments. Um, and it's really cool to see because it, it's allowed me and your other viewers to kind of like know you um, as at a deeper level. And, um, mm. you know, you're the founder of like I said before, one of the most frequently, well, the most frequently mentioned skincare brand on this podcast, Crave Beauty. Um, I want to like learn why you launched it in the first place and also like what has been your favorite moment since the brand launched and what has been mm -hmm. an unexpected challenge since launching the brand? And that's a loaded question. Yeah. And you know, with every question that I get from you, I'm going to reflect that to you too. Oh, so okay, that you okay. have to answer the same. <laughs> I love it. Let's I'm go. not the only one who's going deep here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> you first. Yeah. So I think if anyone has followed me on my skincare journey on YouTube, I started kind of documenting my acne skincare journey because I struggle with a lot of acne in my mid-20s, which is when I actually started going deeper into really dissecting and going down that rabbit hole of reading medical journals and scientific journals and just learning more about skincare ingredients and skin in general. I think that's all due to the fact that I was so desperate to clear my skin and improve my skin. And I think at one point when you're desperate, you try so many products and you're like the easiest victim to marketing. Mm -hmm. And because the entire industry is wanting to literally shove down like all the possible products for mm -hmm. you to just swallow and feel like you need like this 20 step skincare routine. I felt that I also was a customer who bought into all of that like 14-step skincare routine. I abuse my skin with loads of products that my skin really doesn't need. Mm -hmm. So I felt that I wasn't alone in this. And as soon as I kind of pressed reset on my own skincare journey in simplifying to amplify, literally cut down from 14-step to like three-step mm -hmm. or even like two-step in the nighttime to really see like, like what my skin can naturally do just in a natural level mm -hmm. without all the help of the products and just knowing that our skin is really, really smart. Mm -hmm. It knows how to regulate itself and knows how to rejuvenate itself. So all the skincare products need to do is just to literally optimize and balance it out here and then. But mm -hmm. I feel like the way that the beauty industry is telling with the painting the narrative about skincare is that you need all these products mm -hmm. to have that glass skin. And I think that's what kind of perpetuates not only a negative like self-talk about your image, how you like your appearance, but also like you literally feel paralyzed when you walk into a beauty retailer mm -hmm. store. I think it's if I'm starting my skincare journey, 
Yeah, if I'm starting my skincare journey and I'm like a teenager, I wouldn't know where to start and I wouldn't feel like <laughs> I'm equipped enough to start anywhere. Yeah. So I felt that I was that customer and I felt that, okay, this beauty industry is not really in it for like for solving the customer pain point. It's mm -hmm. actually creating more unnecessary demands to sell more products. Therefore, yes. we feel so overwhelmed. We feel so stressed and we feel so lost. So I wanted to create a brand or even like create a voice in the industry saying that, hey, less is more or your skin is actually smart. So let's respect yes. your skin barrier. Let's start from there and add products later. And I don't think at the time when I was starting to talk about skin barrier, there was any brand, at least in the United States, that was so passionately mm -hmm. talking about skin barrier. Mm -hmm. But now, like you see so many brands yeah. <laughs> launching their barrier series, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to start a brand because I wanted to press reset on how the industry like controls the narrative about skincare. Um, the Favorite moment, I think there's so many favorite moments, but whenever your skin helps someone tremendously mm -hmm. and whenever your skin, your skincare products help someone tremendously and whenever it helps someone to press reset on their skincare journey of you once thought that you need all these products, but then once you press reset, all you need to take care is your skin barrier and you have an amazing like self-regulating, self-repairing skin. Um, I think that's the moment or that's testimonial that keeps me going and that keeps yeah. the team going yeah. for sure. Um, in terms of challenges, I don't, I feel like I could write like a whole book dedicated to this <laughs> yeah. topic. I feel like I'm you sure. would feel the same too. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you're a content creator and you're running a brand, you have like a mm. team of, I don't know, eight people to even more with the skincare brand side. It's it's a lot of the intangible things that you literally get to learn by just making a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And those mistakes are never comfortable. It does challenge you in a way. It does make you feel like you're less of like mm -hmm. that CEO that you see on the beauty publication. Or I don't know. I felt like the the battle for me was not so much about like, the supply chain or talking to the manufacturers or the labs or scientists, it was more about just finding finding that confidence within myself mm -hmm. as a leader mm -hmm. to run this company was the biggest battle that I worked with my executive coach mm -hmm. in the past five years. So I always looked up to the CEOs that I would see from like the, these large tech companies, the public companies, the CEOs that have like the perfect words to articulate <laughs> their thoughts and mm -hmm. their interviews and whatnot. And I always felt so small compared to them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted Crave Beauty to grow to like that level. But I felt like I'm not qualified enough to mm -hmm. run this company and take it to that level that I envisioned this uh, company to be. So I think it's more of that kind of I guess self-talk, mm -hmm. self-awareness, or the confidence I needed to build up in order to be fully comfortable um, with who I am as the CEO and the founder of the company. And knowing that the team also trusts you mm -hmm. as the leader of the company. And I think that just took a very, very long journey for me. Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I would love to yeah. know like what your journey has been in that side too. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you put that last, you know, the, the primary challenge, I think you, you said it so eloquently because technical challenges, whether it's supply chain, sourcing, you know, like um, working in the labs, manufacturer issues, whatever it may be, technical challenges can, you know, are typically mm -hmm. more task-based and can be resolved, you know, um, you know, through a series of steps, whereas the challenge that you're speaking to is a daily struggle, a daily, <coughs> excuse me, mindset focus, where you have to constantly be, you know, in that state of mind that's not holding yourself back. And as challenging as like what, how you said that could be, and especially, you know, as we all do as humans, just naturally compare ourselves to other people. I yeah. think, you know, from a viewer standpoint, from, you know, someone who's not only a fellow brand founder, but also a consumer of your content, I find it really refreshing that you are not, say, the archetype of the super smooth talking, you know, very professional, very, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know how the CEOs can be where they come onto the stage yeah. at like a, a summit and just wow everyone with like the perfect words. Exactly. You know, I find it refreshing that you are so organic and authentic in the way that you not only run your brand, but in the way that you speak to it. And so I, I, I hope you, you know, remind yourself of like, how much of a positive impact that can make because it definitely inspires me. I mean, to mm -hmm. answer your question, um, mm -hmm. I'd say like, you know, for starting the brand, I was so hesitant about it for a while because I was like, like you said, there's so many brands out there. There's so many products. And I was like, oh, I don't want to contribute to, mm -hmm. you know, um, hyper consumerism to this over consumerist culture that has been created within the beauty industry. But I really was passionate about making products that through mm -hmm. every single purchase, created positive social change. And for me, mm -hmm. that's been the best aspect of the brand, the thing that I love so much. I love that you touched on how, you know, people can see such a positive impact in their skin from using products that you were able to help create because that is such an incredible yeah. feeling. Um, and just as much for me is seeing the positive social impact that has been generated. You know, the 200,000 acres of rainforest that have been protected in Bolivia, that all of the communities in Eswatini that have, you know, uh, yeah. access to clean drinking water because of the brand, like that for me is like what my favorite moments are. And for challenges, mm -hmm. you know, I think you honestly like put it really well. It's so much of a mental game um, as an individual and particularly balancing content creation while running a brand, having a team um, and kind of, you know, in the content creation world, but also in the business world, just always mm -hmm. to be always being expected to be on this hedonic treadmill of innovation mm -hmm. where, you know, you can you feel like you can never really like just sit back and be like, okay, I'll just, you know, let it do its thing. You have to constantly be innovating, thinking of new things. And as the lead, as the leader of the brand, you're kind of expected mm -hmm. to always know what to do to like, always just be like, okay, guys, yeah. here's what we're going to do. I know the next thing. This is the next thing we're going to work on. And for me, it's having those moments where I'm just like, fuck, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what, it, where we're supposed to be going, what I'm supposed to be doing. I, you know, it's, it's easy to get that sense of exhaustion from always mm. having to commandeer um, all the decisions. But at mm. the same time, like, I'm also the type of person who I don't like being managed and I don't like having someone telling mm. me what to do constantly or in the sense sure. of like controlling everything that I do. So it's, it's, 
a it's a positive and a negative. Um, so like you said, it's, mm -hmm. it's about focusing on the positive aspects of it and that mental state that you have to kind of keep consistent, which is a daily struggle. <laughs> so I'd say it that's really for is. me oh what it gosh. is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Props to us. Yeah. Pat on the back. I, know, we, I feel like we need to give ourselves more credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, thank you for answering that because it's, you know, it's, it's, hard to sometimes talk about the challenges of of running it but uh, along with that one of the big reasons i you know do respect your content and you know um respect what you do within the space is because of your commitment to sustainability and how you integrate it into the brand i mean you're literally a huge slogan of the brand is you know slow down skincare press reset what you were talking about before mm -hmm. fighting against this consumerist pressure of just like you have to buy these 15 products if you want to have glowy beautiful skin etc cetera, etc cetera. we've all totally. seen it you know in in advertisements yeah. and i think you've really pulled back the curtains on the industry um on your instagram stories you're constantly posting about you know going to sustainable packaging events and talking about you know the benefits of these type of sustainable components and how to reduce emissions mm -hmm. etc cetera, etc cetera. and I t take a lot of value from that. Um, and I think I would love to mm -hmm. ask you, like, what do you think the skincare industry needs to do when it comes to improving in the environmental sustainability aspects of the industry as a whole? I feel like that deserves a whole another yes, episode of it does. this podcast. It's a big topic. <laughs> um, it is a big topic, but I think now that the consumers are or customers are becoming more intentional, or at least I do think that people are moving away from over-consumerism, hyper-consumerism, mm -hmm. and trying to be very careful and responsible with their purchases, I think that change in demand will hopefully influence how the companies produce and develop products in the first place. The reason why Slow Down Skincare was born was really based out of my like like fire or frustration that I saw behind the industry because I think when it comes to us collectively as the beauty industry players trying to reduce our emissions, reduce our carbon footprint, I know that a lot of companies started to switch their packaging into refillable packaging, reusable, mm -hmm. recyclable packaging. And this is all something that we should be commending. Mm -hmm. And it was a positive change. And it's still something that I would root and support. However, what, what they missed the mark or what they're not really considering is the reduce aspect mm -hmm. of it. Because when you think about the waste hierarchy, it always starts from reduce and then it's like reuse recycle yes and of course like end of life is so important for the product packaging but a lot of the companies are still creating so many unnecessary demands mm -hmm. and unnecessary products to be honest and it's very hard for me to always say this out loud because i know that i would get a lot of backlash from <laughs> A lot of colleagues behind the scenes, <laughs> yes. but I, I have to say it and I have to be bold because it is it is the truth when when it comes to companies, a lot of companies, product development decisions, it's not really always focused on the customer's pain point, which people mm -hmm. think it should be. It's always about like, hey, like our sales target is here and we're mm -hmm. at here. 
then how do we fill the gap? Let's launch more products. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that kind of thought process behind that I do think it's inherently and fundamentally um, that have influenced the increase of carbon footprint. So mm-hmm. when when us talking about how can we reduce carbon footprint, like we need to be questioning ourselves of how we make decisions in the first place. And I think that's what I want to see more of. And I think the second part is obviously we both are very, very passionate about this subject. And I know your entire line is based on sustainable sourcing and Mm -hmm. giving back to the community and ethical sourcing. That I don't see a lot of other brands picking up on Mm -hmm. yet. So I think that's something that the industry will move towards changing um, step by step. But it'll definitely be a more collaborative effort Mm -hmm. of all the people and all the vendors and suppliers associated in the supply chain. So I think that will still take time. Another thing that I'm going to start talking more about sooner is the waste that people or customers don't see behind the industry. Mm -hmm. And this is basically like excess inventories Mm -hmm. that get sold to TJ Maxx or all these discounted retailers because they're about to expire or because the demand planning, the supply planning was poorly done. So Mm -hmm. suddenly the brand has so much stock that they don't know how to like handle it. Mm -hmm. And then there are a lot of returns and chargebacks from Mm -hmm. retailers that also goes to waste. There are a lot of production screw ups like for Crave Beauty. We had like a production screw up. We went Mm. through a a multiple pilot runs of makeup rewinds. So we're left with a lot of just perfectly normal usable products that we can't sell yet. But Mm. with that, I'm going to open it up and talk about like what goes behind actually developing a new product and what Mm -hmm. waste gets created. So I think these are the things that we can collectively as brand founders talk more about and normalize talking about because it's not only a beauty industry issue it's more Mm -hmm. like if you have a product company like if you because like one thing that i really love about the fresh produce um industry like that was born out of that entire market was misfit market imperfect Mm -hmm. foods where they sell and collect all the ugly or quote unquote ugly vegetables that get rejected to go into all these national like grocery retailers. Mm-hmm. So these are perfectly normal, amazing nutrient value products that don't get sold because they're they they're not cosmetically elegant. Yeah. So I feel like that's the same with all industry at the moment where like Besides us just caring about the packaging material, let's talk about what, what we have in the warehouse right now, yeah. right? Like, yeah. let's do something about it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that I think we can also do something about collectively. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I completely agree with everything that you said. Because the first thing, which I think, like, people overlook when it comes to the sustainable aspects of, you know, the way that we do our, the, the way that we purchase our skincare routines, reduce has to be the primary thing that is at play when it comes to making a positive impact. And I think it's a lot of responsibility is put on the customer, which I, 
you know, at some level, yes, mm. I think is necessary, but I think it's unfairly put on the customer in an industry that is constantly perpetuating these messages of like, you need this, you have to buy this, this is a must in your skincare routine, et cetera, et cetera. And that's one of the reasons I started, you know, creating videos in the first place. I literally mm. was filming a video earlier this week that's called like products you can live without. And I talk about like mm. the products that you don't need in your skincare routine and kind of talking also about how, you know, to have a healthy level mm -hmm. of skepticism when it comes to anyone, who, yeah. anyone or any brand who's saying you need this. And as brand founders, yeah. that is really, you know, <laughs> from a business standpoint, it's not yeah. good for us to be saying promoting messages like this, this because every everyone in the bits on the back end side is being like no you have to tell people <laughs> to buy more products what are you doing this sort of thing but i think it also reveals for you um you know your deep commitment to the actual health of you know your your customer base's skin and your deeper commitment to sustainability because it could the responsibility could so easily be shifted to the consumer. Mm. But I think, you know, as brand founders and as brands, we have a responsibility to not perpetuate these negative messages of over consumerism mm. um, and then kind of like mm. wipe our hands clean and say, well, the consumers should know that they shouldn't buy blah, 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 you know. And I love that you touched yeah. on the back end aspect, because that is one thing that in building the brand, I was shocked to learn shocked. about. Like, <laughs> yeah, just not only like the waste element, but just how little is known about the ingredients that are put into the products, about where they're coming from, the sourcing processes, the sustainability around that, mm -hmm. the ethics, the labor, like for so much of what is out there, it is literally, I'm yeah. like full blown curtains over what is happening. Absolutely. And I think it's so great that you are going to be deep diving into those topics in your videos even more than you already have because whenever I've seen you talk about this stuff I'm just like yes these are the conversations we need to be having these are the things people need to be knowing because with knowledge comes power and with knowledge comes you know accountability that we can hold not only ourselves as brand founders to but yeah as consumers we can hold the industry to to really just progress in such a positive way Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i can't wait to there's see so that. much work to be done here <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like super overwhelming but i think us each brand you know committing to these positive changes and i think us celebrating these positive changes is such it is so needed and i think will make a really big impact so thank you for sharing that i want to kind of like shift it a little bit from like the technicalities of the brand more so to what you have highlighted in your most recent upload. So you just uploaded a video called, well, I can't remember the exact name, but you basically said you left your, <laughs> you left your job essentially. Yeah. Um, and the whole theme of the video was like you pressed reset and you took a month off of your position at work, which is extremely <laughs> impressive. Um, I, that, I know how much work needs to go into that ahead of time in order to prepare for taking a month off from your position. So yeah. that's like amazing. And the video was really reflective. And I think very, uh, you did a very good job of talking about, you know, the, the inner work and the inner development and 
self-reflection mm -hmm. and healing that you were doing mm -hmm. during that month. And as someone who, mm -hmm. you know, has personally struggled with burnout, and I feel like that's one of the biggest topics when we've had conversations is about burnout. Um, I really, you know, we like, know <laughs> I really connected to a lot of what you were saying in the video. And I want to ask you, like, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned about burnout? And uh, would you say since taking that month off, have you <laughs> kind of bounced back from it? Or where, where are you at mentally? <laughs> I think burnout happens when you're, you're deprioritizing yourself and you're prioritizing your audience or mm. your company's needs. Mm -hmm. And you're using yourself as a tool to fill those needs. Mm -hmm. So you feel undernourished and also unfulfilled because there's nothing that's really charging your energy or charging your soil or like charging the nutrients of your soil. Mm -hmm. So I think that's when the burnout happens. And I have been feeling this way for maybe um, three years into running Crave Beauty as a company and also trying to juggle a lot of other responsibilities like creating content on the side, not only YouTube, but TikTok, Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's so many new social media <laughs> platforms now. <laughs> so I felt that I was also putting another layer of pressure on myself as a content creator to be coming like not losing that momentum or um, not losing that cycle or trying to, literally what I thought or what I concluded was that I was extending my shelf life as a content creator as mm -hmm. much as I can. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really benefiting myself and it wasn't really benefiting the audience because mm -hmm. the content that I was creating was more from um, a place of fear mm -hmm. of losing that kind of relevancy. Mm. So I think in the past three years, if I really be honest with myself, with all the YouTube videos that I put it out there in the past three years, um, I can only point out very few videos that I put all of my soul and heart into it that mm -hmm. felt like, oh, this is a masterpiece. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like when you feel like you're producing something that's very aligned with who you are and what you're going through, I think that's when fulfillment happens. Mm -hmm. And same with whatever work that you do. But I think there was definitely a misalignment. And that's why... Coming to 2022, I wanted to literally change the soil. <laughs> I wanted to take a break to really look into myself. And now that I'm approaching my mid-30s, I also wanted to kind of reflect on how do like who I want to become when I hit 40. Mm -hmm. Because I think I had a very clear goal of who I wanted to be when I hit 30. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I have set any kind of manifestation goals for when I hit 40, like after 30 and after having the company, after be being like this million YouTuber, I think I was always on the go, go, go mode. And I placed a lot of my self-worth into the output yeah. of my work, which is, I know you're nodding very hard. <laughs> I know, I'm just like, I mean, this is very dangerous. <laughs> it's very unsustainable to yeah. not only like, it's going to be a formula for burnout, but I think it just leads to a lot of different mental health issues. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the reason why I decided to take a break and take some time off from 2020, uh, this summer in 2022. Mm -hmm. But knew, know that like this took me two years to prepare yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I first um, kind of discovered this idea of someone taking like 
two months off every year. Mm -hmm. And this is an executive coach who needs to always take that time and like sacred time to restore their energy and restore like whatever they are going through mm -hmm. to provide more wisdom to yes. their, to his clients. And I felt that my well has been depleting over time, but I've been, I haven't been filling water for mm -hmm. the longest time. So I just felt that 2022 is the moment where something needs to change and I'm going to act upon it. And therefore, the five weeks break has happened. And I'm so lucky and very, very privileged to be able to afford that. Mm -hmm. Like not a lot of people actually, even though they want to, that, can't, yeah. that, can't, that they can afford that break yeah. from a financial standpoint and from like a time standpoint too. So I know how lucky I am, but I think it was something that... Um, I needed in order for me to be real with my own self because I was denying that, okay, like I feel like there is a lot of misalignment happening, but I wasn't coming to peace yeah. with it or I didn't really have proper closure in my other chapters in life. Mm -hmm. So that's what it did. Um, highly recommend Hiram to go on a sabbatical <laughs> or something like a four or five weeks break. Oh, Disconnect. And just be true to who you are, because yeah. I think I almost forgot like how to be mm -hmm. and how to live with just just truly being yeah. without doing anything mm -hmm. like that. That gave me so much anxiety of not doing anything like the empty time on your Google calendar, like gave me so much anxiety because I'm like, I <sighs> need to gosh. constantly be doing life yes i don't know oh my gosh we're, the things you are saying yes no i i can't even describe how exactly on points you are in terms of like what your experiences have been and how related they are like to mine because i feel exactly the same way and everything that you said there was so many golden nuggets of information like where you said you know burnout is about deprioritizing yourself and prioritizing you know the needs of your audience or your company that is so freaking true. And also where you were saying that so much of what who you become is tied to your output. I was literally having a conversation <laughs> earlier this week with my therapist about self-value mm -hmm. because I've I've talked about on my channel, you know, like my, you know, journey mm -hmm. through like self-confidence and, you know, really under, coming to a place of fully being comfortable with myself. And we were exploring how a lot of what society expects, but also me individually is your mm. self-value tied to your output and as a content creator yeah. i think it just cements that or just really really you know ties your entire self-perception to that because you have potentially millions of people who are consuming yeah. commenting speculating on you know sharing um your output and thereby yeah. also associating your value with that. So it becomes a very natural cycle for you to mm -hmm. only see yourself through that lens where you're like, well, if like what you're saying, when you have empty time on the calendar, I struggle with that so bad um, because mm -hmm. for me, I'm just like, wait, I have to be doing something. I have to be working. I have to be building something, creating something. And I think that is related to, you know, valuing yourself based off of like, what you are doing, your output, rather than having the strength to just be with yourself and that to be yeah. enough. You know, that's it's so that's why yeah. almost a five week sabbatical, <clears throat> while it may sound relaxing, as some of us kind of terrifying because you have just five <laughs> weeks of just unadulterated time with yourself to just focus on yourself. I'm like, oh, 
that's scary. That's some scary shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It was very uncomfortable in the beginning, but yes, yeah. it was it was great. Highly recommend Hiram. Good. So yeah. Let's make that happen next year. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> next year. Oh, bad. You know, I am working on it. I'm working on it. It's it's definitely coming. And even you bringing that up, I think it's next month. I have for the first time like my first vacation that I'm taking for okay. almost two weeks. And I'm yeah. like equally as excited as I am terrified of it because I'm like, oh my gosh, what what are you even supposed to do when you're not working 24 seven? It's such a weird concept. <laughs> I know, I know. A lot of content creators are like this and a lot of founders are like mm -hmm. this too. So I hope that video has inspired people to slow down and really just reflect and reset, hopefully. I really think it has because in so many different avenues, you know, obviously we talk about our experiences as content creators and brand founders, yeah. but this can be prevalent in so many different elements of life. Like, I mean, the amount of, you know, people I've met who work at corporate level jobs who are just, you know, yeah. uh, essentially, you know, like forced to just be come their jobs in every way and that Absolutely. unhealthy you know relationship and expectation it's it's really you know prevalent all around so i already know that video is is making a positive impact and thank you for for you know sharing that um to, to pivot a little bit uh i want to like talk about your venture fund that you recently started because this was something that you had discussed with me and I haven't like mm -hmm. it's such a big deal and I think it's such an <laughs> impactful thing but I think a lot of people also may not <clears throat> understand the way that it works or understand the way the venture funds work or how they can make a really big difference so I'd just love to ask you like mm. what what is your venture fund what is it, do, it doing and what impact do you hope it will make long term? Yeah, um, thanks for asking that. So it's definitely something that was born out of another frustration I had just observing the industry from behind the scenes or behind the curtains. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to uh, new early stage startups in the beauty industry and a lot of consumer good industry, I think what's expected from a lot of investors is do you have an exit strategy? Mm -hmm. Like you have to define and have a clear answer to when you want to be acquired by a bigger conglomerate down the road. Yes. Like when the selfless by Hiram be exiting to like XYZ companies mm -hmm. down the road, like investors want to know that before giving their money to have you start your business yep. because what they're interested in is getting the return on their investment. So you really need to work on the investor's timeline, not your own timeline. Yep. So I see a lot of brand founders and a lot of people in the business just not having that kind of freedom or almost being so pressured by a lot of investors to be generating profit, to be growing 300% year over year at all costs, like at mm -hmm. all costs, meaning like by expanding your product portfolio like crazy unnecessarily and, you know, by exploiting your employees and how your team works and by exploiting, you know, founders' mental health and all mm -hmm. that uh, for return on investment. So I, when I was kind of diving deeper into the slowdown skincare initiative, I thought that in order for us to truly slow down the beauty industry altogether, 
we need to start at the level of where the money is actually coming from. Mm -hmm. So if an investor is also very patient, okay, like let's slow down the beauty industry altogether. Like their timeline is more extensive than like what they, what the typical investors would expect from a skincare company. Because right now, if I'm investing as a conventional investor to Southwest by Hiram, I would expect you to be exited and be acquired to a bigger conglomerate in three to five years. Mm -hmm. That means you need to grow and prove your worth and prove your performance and expand to like multiple different locations, multiple different products. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not sustainable. So that's why I thought, okay, it's really important, like who you're taking money from. Yes. So I, with all the money that we made, not all the money, with Mm -hmm. some money that we made from Crave Beauty, we wanted to reinvest that into the beauty industry. So like, Let's say if we're going to say that we should slow down skincare, I want it to be a part of it. I want to influence in different facets of the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to become an investor of other brands and other B2B companies in the beauty industry so that they all the founders can design their own timeline and not be caught or be pressured to grow at all costs. Mm-hmm. I wanted to press reset on like the consumerism model and like how the capitalism has been run by corporate America for the past 50 years. Yes. So that's the fun. That's why the fun has came about. And the impact that I want to see is, you know, hopefully other investors also kind of joining this mindset of, okay, like, slow and steady growth is also good mm-hmm. it's you still have the return yeah so that's what i hope to see which is gonna be harder and it's like a bigger yeah. battle i feel like definitely but sure. it's like you guys this is like such a big deal because i think this really represents the very necessary change that the industry has to see as a whole because i think we as consumers like not to call out the industry too much, but then again, when have I not? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think that a lot of us are kind of disillusioned with this idea that the cosmetics industry at its heart, at its core, is mm. about helping people improve their skin. And, you know, at some level, like I won't deny that, that's definitely, you know, like an aspect of it. But what, what is at the basis of all of it? is these huge investment funds, these huge conglomerates that I feel like I'm just going to be honest, like really don't care about that aspect of it and are really only invested Mm -hmm. in what company can you grow, do whatever means necessary to scale it as big as possible so that we can sell it to a conglomerate, to a huge company, make ginormous profits and (laughs) kind of wipe our hands clean and move on to the next project type of thing. That is really so much of what is prevalent at the core of mm-hmm. what runs the beauty industry. Um, and I think, you know, it's, I, I think there's just a lot of problems with that. And I think with what you're doing with this venture fund is not only so impactful from a perspective of, you know, really reevaluating and resetting, you know, the priorities of what, you know, skincare companies um, should mm-hmm. have as their core root focus, But also, like Mm -hmm. you said, I think it'll help to create less toxic companies, work environments, Mm -hmm. um, cost-cutting strategies, whatever you name it, by taking this more relaxed approach and not just being so focused on timelines, deadlines, numbers, metrics, et cetera, et cetera. That's such a big deal because this can 
start in the skincare industry, but this example that I think you're leading by can be replicated in so many other industries and really change the way that we view, you know, just Mm -hmm. not view, but like the way that our society operates from like a capitalistic perspective. Like I'm someone who's always been such a big fan of conscious capitalism of, you know, really pairing, you know, um, uh, really paying, you know, mindfulness and ethics and morals and having that as the root focus of the way that we conduct business practices. So I think with what you're doing with this venture fund is a really big deal. I think more people should be talking about it. And it's like, it's, it's, it's awesome that you've done it. And I think it'll make such a huge impact beyond even just the impact that your individual skincare company has done. So I'm, I'm really stoked about it. Like congrats on starting that. That's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've been investing um, quite a bit behind the scenes. I need to do a better job at actually announcing things, but uh, (laughs) I'll get to it. (laughs) You're all good. You have so many things on your plate, so many things. And that's actually the last question I want to ask you. You know, you are in (laughs) uh, so many different projects. You're a part of so many different things. Um, It is so easy at that point um, having to either be in charge of so many things or just having so many projects that you're working on to feel overwhelmed, overexerted, an extremely high level of pressure. What, you know, Mm. daily practices or mindsets have you found have been most helpful in relieving that pressure, relieving that overexertion and, you know, allowing you to just not cave to the the pressure and i'm asking this selfishly because <laughs> i'm genuinely like, I'm, interested I want, to know. No, I'm gonna ask you first i'm gonna <laughs> ask the same question to you first you have so many different projects <laughs> um, so i don't think i have an answer to that mm-hmm. Hiram. so why don't you go first oh man and let's exchange tips <laughs> yes you know i this is coming from me who is very much in the trenches of just trying to figure this out and trying to understand what to do, Um, like we were talking about before, a daily struggle. But I think the thing that I've noticed always helps is when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling that, you know, intense level of pressure to not focus on the tasks or the anxieties of the future, but focus on the positive Mm -hmm. impact that has been made thus far. So whenever I Mm -hmm. felt like really stressed about, say, you know, the pressures of having an online audience and the, you know, negativity Mm. and the the expectations. Um, Instead of focusing on that, what I do is I'll like read through comments. Like I have screenshotted comments on on my phone of people who have Mm. talked about their skin journey and how my videos have been able to help. I have, you know, pictures that people have sent me of their skin, you know, before and after. And I'll look through that and it's a reminder to me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's literally the best feeling because for me, I'm able to remember why I started doing all this stuff in the first place, like to make a positive impact to help people. And it's the same with the brand too. Every time with Selfless, I'm just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. Ah, you know, freaking out. Um, I remind myself of like how many acres of rainforest, how many people have access to clean water, how many people because of their products have been able to see such an improvement in their confidence. Like, if I realign my brain with that, then, you know, that does a good job of temporarily, you know, day by day, I should say, relieving yeah. that pressure, relieving um, 
to all the expectations and the anxiety about the future. I've noticed that's what's made the biggest impact for me. But I want to hear oh from my you. God, you sounded you sounded like a therapist to me. This is so good. Oh, okay, I'll try to focus on the positive impact of what I made so far and what it'll make. Um, it's hard because I feel like as high achievers and high performers like yourself, and I would also put myself in that bucket too like Mm -hmm, it is hard to just stop but with you know related to the topic of taking a break and all that I think what I noticed was doing like an energy audit weekly Mm. definitely helps so energy audit is basically a concept of just realizing and identifying like what work does really bring me energy and what work really drains my energy And if your entire weekly calendar is filled with a lot of the work and a lot of tasks that depletes your energy and drains your energy more than what fulfills your energy, Mm -hmm. then something needs to change, right? Mm. So it's as kind of easy and as intuitive as that, where I have my non-negotiables of when it comes to creating or brainstorming, I'm a very creative person. So protecting that time as almost like a Mm non-negotiable sacred moment and blocking that out in the calendar so that no one else can bother me, mm-hmm. I think has definitely helped me to just feel like my life is manageable mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, and then the rest, you can just leave it to your team to schedule meetings mm-hmm. and do all that important stuff. But I think energy audit concept is going to be really, really helpful for a lot of people. It has helped me a lot. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I think that's definitely something that really kind of sticks out at the moment. And I think the second thing is just having a fabulous team that you can count on. Oh, yeah. And I know, you know, like skincare by Hiram team, selfless by Hiram team is (laughs) so amazing. They're so Um, awesome. They're like super, yeah, they're really, really, really great human beings in general. And so is our Crave Beauty team too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just having collective people who can really you know, row this boat with you and build this plane with you, you know, under the same true North Star that you painted for them is, yes. it's going to change your life for sure. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I completely agree with the team. It makes such a huge impact. And I've never heard of an energy audit. I'm literally going to start doing that because I've never tried that before. And I'm yeah. going to start implementing it. I will report back to you on how it goes. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, you know, tidbit of wisdom. And honestly, just thank you for sharing all of this in the podcast. Like I so, I feel so lucky that I was able to just like get an hour of your time and just sit down and talk about all this stuff because it's, you're so insightful. You have so much experience under your belt and I feel like I relate to you in so many ways. And I think a lot of people are going, you know, through similar str- struggles and what, or, you know, challenges or the things that you've talked about, I think relate and connect to a lot of people. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Hiram. I know that we talked a lot about like capitalism when we were both <laughs> drunk in New York City. Yes. And like, those are the topics that we get really like fired up by like this capitalistic society. Exactly. Um, but I'm just... You know, like sometimes it does feel lonely as a brand founder who preaches about these kind of messaging. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it does feel like you're alone. But um, whenever you meet someone like Hiram and maybe that's me to you, it does feel like, okay, the future is not, you know, it's 
it's hopeful. It's still hopeful. I have other peer founders who I can do this with, and it's only going to take some time to really change the narrative and how the beauty industry operates from start to end. So I'm just really lucky to connect with you on all of these like different levels Mm -hmm. that no one else can. So thank you so much for that and being that friend for me. And honestly, the Hiram team is like so incredible. So (laughs) huge shout out to everyone behind the scenes right now. (laughs) They're literally standing behind the camera. And thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. Thank you again, Leah. And for all those kind words, I'm so grateful I'm able to know you. And please, everyone who's listening or watching, go follow Leah Yu on YouTube and on Instagram, TikTok, all the platforms. Make sure you go check out her brand and her podcast as well, Crave Beauty. And you can find her podcast on Apple Music. I will have everything linked down below if you're watching here on YouTube. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Just Position YouTube channel and listen to the episodes wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Odyssey, you can find us anywhere. And this is a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio available for free now wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys so much for watching and I will see you next time. <laughs>